This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Robert Fekas, the Nerdster, or no, just Nerdster330 on Instagram. <laughs> and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. I'm your host, the aforementioned Matt Hurt, and with me today is recurring co-host and COVID-19 survivor, Robert Fekas. Fekas. Oh, God. That's a joke, guys. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, if you hear beeping in the background, that's just his respirator and his, his uh, <laughs> everything. Um, yeah. But oh, by the way, we are recording remotely and everything, so the sound quality may be a little bit different. Hope you guys. I uh, hope it's not too bad, guys. But um, we're we're here. Um, so Fekus, how's it going? And uh, what what's up? It is going well. Um, enjoying a nice little uh, deck. Uh, podcasting right now my back my back porch so lovely day for it very nice it has been like uh pretty nice i guess um in terms of weather a little warm but you know well i was gonna say a little chilly for my taste but you know i'm weird like that right right yeah yeah. i like my i like my 90s see i can't i can't do that nope Ah, that's good stuff opens up the pores matt i guess i just like for the soul I just like being cold and distant um, and afraid. You do, you do keep your apartment at like sub-zero temperatures, it's, so. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much. Uh, yeah. Well, more power to you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> you should ne- never apologize for being you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. I will not. Um, I feel like pizza might be constantly like freezing, but that's fine. She's she's got fur. She's okay. Um, she needs to pack on the weight then. She does, yeah. I, it's so so dumb. But anytime that I, this has nothing to do with what you just said. But whenever I throw a toy for her and she jumps up and tries to catch it in her paws, I'm just like, like I just look at her. I'm like, you're such an idiot. You don't have any thumbs. You can't catch things. You stupid <laughs> <laughs> um, idiot. You didn't evolve thumbs like me. I'm awesome. Right. Stupid cat. Anyway, um, so yes, so you're back. This is your first episode of The Obsessive Viewer in a very long time, Fekus. It, it has been a minute. It, it has, has been a minute. Been. Um, what have you been up to, and how did you feel about the Patreon stuff that we just recorded? Uh, you know, I've been up to my basic stuff, been working, um, hanging around the house, going out when I can, that sort of thing. You know, trying to enjoy stuff. Nice, nice. Um, I'm looking Wait. at the list. I don't... Wow, you have not been on an episode of The Obsessive Viewer this year. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Shit. Yeah, because we did the... Invisible yeah, Man. we did the Invisible Man, and that yeah. didn't work out. No. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, so you did come down with a case of the COVID. Um, I did. Yeah. Did you... Like, I was talking to Tiny about it, and I was like, well... In terms of like everyone involved with the obsessive viewer, it's like at least one of us was bound to get it. Um, so, of course, it would be like the 
more health conscious of all of us. <laughs> well, I guess you and Ben, but um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, how do do you want to document your experience with it? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I've been pretty open talking about it. Uh, anyone that asks. Um, so basically, me and the wife went to uh, the Dominican Republic back in uh, early July. Uh, it's one of those things where we just, you know, she's a nurse. I'm a police officer. Obviously, we've been getting our asses handed to us at both of our respective jobs lately because of the world. So we just we needed this vacation. So went to the Dominican. Um, we laid over in Miami, which uh, if I'm a bet man, I'm where I'm going to say that uh, it was picked up at. Mm-hmm. So my theory is that Cassie caught it somewhere in Miami, uh, probably on the airplane or in the airport, obviously. She developed a symptom a little earlier than I did. She had a, a minor cough the day before we left the Dominican, and uh, I woke up the day, we, the day we left the Dominican with an extremely mild cough. Um, so when we, uh, flew back, we flew back through Miami again. And the only thing I really had at that time, I didn't even have a cough in the afternoon. So I just felt fine. Mm -hmm. Cassie, it was funny. We're in the airport. She goes to get, we we both go to get dinner. We eat dinner and then we go to uh, our terminal, uh, before flying back to Indy. Well, she decides to go get an iced tea. And so I'm like, well, get, if you're going to go get that, get me an iced coffee. So she does. She goes and she comes back 20 minutes later and she sits down. And she goes, I can't taste this. Oh. I'm like, you can't taste the iced tea? She goes, no, not at all. I was like, well, is it strong? She's like, well, it's iced tea. I'm like, well, okay. Well, I was like, well, try tasting my coffee. And she tastes. I was like, yeah, I can't. So between the 20 minutes of us eating dinner and sitting down and having her iced tea, she lost her uh, sense of uh, taste and smell, which was just really odd. Mm-hmm. So, um, we fly back home, uh, the next day we'll wake up, uh, still just a very minor cough on my end. Cassie's cough is, has become a little bit more prevalent. And my intention was, uh, I was going to go to the gym mm-hmm. and Cassie was like, take your temperature. You know, I don't want you to you know do anything silly. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I'll take my temperature. Well, I take my temperature. It's uh, it's like a hundred point three. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so at that point I'm. You know, Cassie never ran a temperature, but, you know, her sense of taste and smell was gone. She had cough, and I was like, God damn it, we had this stupid bullshit. <laughs> and so, you know, she calls her work, and uh, she gets set up for a test immediately, and I stew about it for, like, two hours before I call anybody. And so I, mm-hmm. I call my lieutenant, and I'm like, hey, LT, um, so I'm symptomatic. And his response was bursting out laughing, just <laughs> dying laughing. And he's like, your brother, you're not serious. I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> so, um, so I set up for our, for my test and throughout that day, I was a little sluggish, but nothing, uh, out of the, nothing too bad. I just kind of chalked it up to, we just got done traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, my temperature never got above uh, 100.7, uh, the, the day after that. And that was the day that I had to, I had to drive to Greensburg to get my test. Oh. Um, I was really tired. Um, just nothing like where I, I couldn't move or anything. I was just lethargic the entire day. Uh, still just a very minor cough, uh, barely even a cough, really more of just a clearing my throat type of deal. And the day after that, I had, my temperature was under a hundred and you know, I was, st- I was still waking up and working out, 
not in the gym. <laughs> I was I was safe. I, I jogged outside. Um, and then the third day back, I was fine, 100% uh, fine. No temperature, no symptoms, no nothing. Felt great. Uh, Cassie's uh, symptoms lasted a little bit longer. She had kind of a persistent cough for about eight days. Her taste and smell came back after three days of not having it. And she actually got the approval to go back to work before I did. Oh. And, you know, so after that, we're done. You know, we, we both had very mild symptoms that, you you know, I, my symptoms were barely affecting me at all. Um, we were fortunate. So mm. I like to chalk it up to I, I've been taking care of myself. Uh, pretty readily throughout this entire process. I've been taking vitamin D and vitamin C since this broke out. And, you know, I've always been a fitness guy and I've always ate well. So I kind of talked that up to uh, how I survived it. So not survived, how I, you know, whatever, made it through. Hashtag yeah, I've been, tell- I've been telling people I- I've had colds that had knocked me out of my ass for a week. And this just, it, my body just kind of brushes off. Not to minimize other people's experiences because I know it's it's been detrimental to uh, several thousands of people but right. you know I, I, we were fortunate so nice well that's good i'm glad you guys are okay and everything yeah um, so we're looking to at donating our plasma right now so good we're gonna get on that train so Very nice um you know if tom was... hanks can do it i can do it <laughs> um so what like tell me about the test and everything was it as like uncomfortable as it seems from okay so this is a funny story so I had to go to Greensburg to get my test uh, because that was, we had to set up through our both individual employers uh, to go get a test. So Cassie's a nurse, so she works at IU Health. Obviously, obviously they have, like, she sent, got sent immediately. Mm-hmm. So she goes to get her test. And I, I could have scheduled a test in Indianapolis through my employer, but I would have had to have waited like four days, and I just wanted to get it done. Mm-hmm. So. I chose the uh, the first available test, and it just happened to be in Greensburg. So I drive down to Greensburg for this for the test, and uh, you know that everyone you keep hearing that it's that long uh, you know Q-tip they shoved to the back of your uh, brainstem. Uh, well, I I go there, and it's it's at the uh, whatever county that is i forget what it was it was at their jail okay <laughs> so I, I i go into their jail and uh the guy gets this regular size q-tip and he's like okay tilt your head back pull your mask down i do that and he just swabs inside of my nostrils so i'm like is that it and he goes yep that's it I'm like fucking hey okay sounds hell? good so I, I get back home and i'm talking to cassie and i tell her and she gets all pissy she's like well they didn't do it right i'm like well i i feel like that if they're conducting the test, they've had some results. I feel like it's been peer reviewed and all this stuff and, and checked. It's like, well, they didn't do it right. That's not how they're supposed to do it. And I'm like, this, this is the doctor. I don't know what you want me to say. And so she gets mad at me saying that I was questioning her medical expertise. And I'm not, I'm just like, well, it's like there has to be a reason to, they do it this way. It has to work. And she goes, well, they didn't do it right. Your test is going to come back negative. I'm like, Oh, okay. So, her test came back within 48 hours and it was positive. So I was like, well, then I'm going to have it. So I, I told my employer, I was like, Hey, look, just bank on me having it at this point. Uh, my test took five days to come back and, um, they sent it to me an email and I opened it and it was positive. And so Cassie, uh, I'm talking to Cassie. He's like, well, I came back and it was positive and I'm, and I'm, I don't want to start this fight. So I don't even say anything. <laughs> don't even say anything. And she's like, I just, I can't believe it came back positive. And I was like, you know what? 
I told you that there had to be a reason that this happened. He's like, I was just hoping it was going to come back negative to prove my point. And now I'm pissed at that. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, after, after that, uh, I, ha- I waited. You know, the, They told me I had to quarantine myself for 10 days after the onset of symptoms. And if I was uh, symptom-free after 10 days and fever-free for th- at least three days, I could break quarantine. So I, you know, I, I waited until then. And I told my, uh, told my work that that's the recommendation by the Indiana department of health. And so they're like, well, we're going to send you for a, uh, another test, uh, just to be sure that it's agri-system. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So this time they send me to a different, uh, uh, area or, or different companies doing the test. And so I had, it was through the actual Indiana department of health. So I had to go to, uh, East 38th street at one of the health centers there to get it done. And that time they did the one that went back to the brainstem. And I'm here to tell you that shit sucked. Really? It, yeah, it's awful. Oh, it's, it's not, it's not painful, mm-hmm. but it's just horribly uncomfortable. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's, it, it, they shove it all the way. You, you can't even, I never even thought you could shove something that far back in my nostril, but man, it's just like my nose started running all over the place. And I was just like, I felt like an idiot. You know, the guy's, you know, (laughs) doing this test in my, in my car and I'm probably making some stupid faces, but Mm. yeah, the second time they did it the right way, I guess. Oh God. Yeah. That when I saw like those diagrams and stuff of, of like how the test is done, I'm like, yep, um, I'm staying inside. I'm never going outside. I'm like, I'm because like I don't want to have to take that test. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now, th- taking that test was the worst part about having the COVID. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's like yeah, sure, I was I was lethargic for one day, but all I did was nap, so it wasn't even that bad. Right. Oh God. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting experience. I like I've known like when, like when when uh, when you found out that you were positive, I, like in. In the back of my head, I was like, "Oh, now I can finally like answer those obnoxious tweets that are like, have you? Do you even know anyone who has had COVID?'" No. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but, you know the the flat Earth anti-vaxxer anti vaxxer uh, anti you know uh, COVID <laughs> conspiracy people. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> so dumb. Um, yeah, yeah. This world's full of idiots. So yeah, yeah, it really is. I went to the doctor for a non-COVID related thing. Um, the other day and I just saw like this guy just walking in just with just super confident strides and everything with the mask uh, like under his nose and I'm just like I, we're six months into this thing like how do you not know they, they know they just don't care uh, and that's you know not to get on onto this uh, side tangent I, I, I don't have any private business that wants to mandate a mask I'm all for it you know it's your private business I don't love a, a government mandated mask order because i know people aren't going to follow it and there's you know i'm a police officer i'm supposed to enforce this thing but we've been given no direction on how to enforce it and pretty much everyone's taking the stances well it's i i don't know what they want me to do so there's nothing i really can do so you know people are going to come in they're going to wear the masks incorrectly they're not going to wear the masks at all and Mm -hmm. you know it's just it's it's annoying you know i i don't I think government overreach is a is a problem, uh, and not just this, but a lot of areas, uh, and not just COVID related. Right. Uh, so I, you know, if you're a private business and that's what you want to mandate, I'm all for it. If you want to kick people out for not wearing a mask in your private business, more power to you. I'm all for that. But 
I don't love the government mandate for it because yeah. I know I know people. You know, I, mm-hmm. I work with idiots, or I work. Yeah, not my coworkers are idiots, but my job is basically to corral idiots. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I know how people are. Yeah, and I think you and Tiny have are kind of you guys line up pretty similarly with with your kind of politics and your reactions to this thing. Like in my head, I'm just like. I'm, I'm just like, yeah, okay, I get that. I understand, like, not liking the government mandate thing, but it's also, I, I feel like people are so dumb that they're not going to do it unless, I, and even that's proven wrong, but unless, like, the government's like, hey, we have to do this. But people are still not doing it. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's annoying. Like, I, I, I walked into Walmart. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post, but Walmart had a guy playing a guitar and singing in the entrance of the goddamn store, not wearing a mask. I and I, I'm like, of all the people that probably should be, it's probably the guy vocalizing uh, in front of the entrance to this place. I just kind of shook my head and was like, well, that's Walmart for you. Yeah. I but, don't know if I said this on the podcast yet, but I went to Penn Station to grab some lunch. And I like they have a big sign at the, on the door saying, hey, you need to have a mask if you want to enter and everything. It's, 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 uh, um, it's required. And I go in and the guy... The guy in front of me is not wearing a mask and like the people working there aren't enforcing it. So whatever. But they have like the, the plexiglass like pr- uh, protector things up by the red. Yeah. yeah. And he is talking to the talking to the woman at the cash register, but he is putting his face less than two inches away from the glass to speak. to. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And I'm just like. Uh, like you cannot be that stupid. Like I, like, and I just I kind of just kept thinking. Like I just kept imagining. Like okay, how many people have come in that have not been wearing masks that they're not tr- telling them to wear masks and just fucking spitting on the glass and when they're talking and everything. And this dude's just breathing it in. And I'm uh, yeah, it, yep. I yeah, I just this thing isn't going anywhere. No. Um, and people are going to be people no matter what. So that's, I've, I've been, I'm, I've been on board with opening things up for a long time. And I just think that it's proof right now that this, this shit's not going to go anywhere. And I think if you want to wait for a vaccine, man, who knows when that's going to be? Like, I think it's probably going to be before the end of the year, mm. but it couldn't, it, it might not be, it might be, you know, sometime in the spring. So I just, yeah. I think this is something that society's just going to have to handle and deal with for the time being. But you know, I, I respect anybody else's opinion on the matter because I, I know some people are really fearful and I know that it's decimated people's lives and taken a lot of lives. So I don't want to diminish anyone else's opinion about it. But right. It's just, it's a silly, it's just, people are silly, man. And yep. inconsiderate. People are just inconsiderate. Like yes. oh, yeah. I have no problem wearing a mask when, when I'm told I have to. And, you know, even in the Dominican Republic, uh, our resort, uh, we had to wear masks when we were indoors and I have zero problem with that. You know, I get it. These guys are, these guys have been waiting to come back to work for uh, four months too. They want to be safe. Uh, VR, uh, uh, fortunately did not get hit very hard, uh, through this pandemic. Um, but you know, it's a privilege to be on the resort at that point. So I'm not going to be that jackass and be like, oh, I'm an American. I can do whatever I want. Now I have to wear a mask. No, right. these people are, are here to, you know, serve me drinks and uh you know make my experience wonderful uh, so i'm not going to be that jackass and for the most part on the resort everyone's pretty compliant and you of course you had a couple of assholes but yeah so 
like you 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 guys did wear masks like the entire time. I remember you telling me that you guys were freaking Boy Scouts over it. And yeah, we. I mean, in the in the airport on the airplane, um, we, you know, unless we were sitting down to have something to eat, we wore masks um, the entire time. And you know, we still caught it, and that's going to happen. I'm sure there's some prevention uh, aspects to the mask. I, I don't think it's as preventative as. Uh, you know, people would have you believe, but I think that there's probably some benefits to it. Yeah. But, you know, but we still caught it. Yeah. You know, it's just it's, it's gonna it's gonna happen. Yeah. So. Well, that's, nothing's full, nothing's foolproof. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you're okay and everything. And uh, like I said, phone lines are we're standing by for the relief effort for Fecka Strong. <laughs> I, I told Cassie I was gonna get a tattoo commemorating my survival of COVID nineteen. So. <laughs> oh God. I'm not. I'm not really because. Well, one because she put the, the X on that, but you know, I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh. Yeah. That would. Uh. That would be something. That would be something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, in other news and everything, they did to kind of shift away from COVID for now, I guess. Um, by the way, t- today on the uh, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Palm Springs and the Old Guard here in a bit. But I do want to get a conversation started with you, Fekus, about. Mulan and the kind of video on demand thing like there's to kind of recap they announced that the remake of Mulan the live action remake of Mulan is going to be on Disney Plus I think September 6th or something um, at a price point of $30 uh, to rent and Fekas how do you feel about that in relation to the world we're in now and uh, people are saying that it could be furthering the the death of theaters and everything if this is a new model of premium video on demand so how do you how did you react to that news well i want to start off by making it known that i called this i mean you had this conversation mm-hmm. uh, i was slightly off because the conversation we had i said that they were going to release mulan video on demand and i i predicted that it was going to be a ten dollar uh, fee for disney plus members so right. I'm partially, I'm going to say I'm 75% right on my prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the $30 price point is outrageous. Yeah. Uh, especially, I'm not 100% clear, is it a one-time use, 24-hour deal with Mulan? Because I know you don't get to keep it. Right. I believe that it is a one-time use rental fee. And like it, I wasn't clear on it either, but I, like my, my take on it is that it is a $30, $30 one-time fee for a one-time rental of the movie that is in addition to your Disney Plus subscription. So I, th- I, I think that people with Disney Plus are the only ones that can actually get to that, that premium one but it's it wasn't very clear when i read about it yeah i thirty dollars is way too expensive uh in my in my viewpoint especially when you're already charging people a subscription fee now if you wanted to come out and say uh video on demand rental uh just on its own is thirty dollars okay i i get it this is a uh you know it's a top tier movie and you guys are are trying to get your uh, your money in for it now, but thirty dollars for a one time deal for a subscription fee that you're already paying, I just think that's that's crazy expensive. Um, I I'm not going to pay it. I, I'm going to wait. There's, it's going to come down in price at some point, like everything else does. Yeah. So I'll wait for it. Um, I, yeah, I, I get what they're doing. Uh, I, they're trying to make up the money that 
they're losing on this property, but you know, you're doing so at the expense of, uh, of your customers. Yeah. Um, so that, that's my take on it. But a a lot of people were so, okay. (laughs) I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook about it, but I shared the article and I just mentioned like, Oh, it's, it's really expensive. Funny side note to that is that I meant to send that to the, I meant to post that on the obsessive viewer page, but I ended up sending it to just my personal (laughs) Facebook page. But, uh, so I had a bunch of people comment on it and like a lot of people were like, well, um, that's uh, pretty much the equivalent of what we would spend if we went to the go see it in the theater. Like in terms of like, if like, uh, if a couple had like a date night or something, or if someone had kids and wanted to bring their kids and everything. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's true. It is comparable when in those terms, but on one hand I'm alone and I'm just right. like, I'm like, that's not the same, uh, for me. And also that, that price point, $30 is what I was spending five or six months ago to see three movies a week at AMC. Like it's just that, that gulf is so big for me that it's, I don't, cause I had grown accustomed to the subscription service and everything. And it's just like right. that, that's just too big of a leap and everything. Also it's Mulan. Like, you're paying, yeah. You're paying for the movie theater experience mm-hmm. though. When I go to a movie theater, so that's a completely different take yeah. for all I know. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a, really nice tv a, a big screen mm-hmm. somebody might be watching this on you know on a, on a older you know 19 inch mm-hmm. television and that's just that's not the experience of a movie theater and no. that's the price point of a movie theater is 30 dollars. so yeah. i i disagree with it um to the second part of your question i i think this is furthering uh the killing of the cinema industry i mm-hmm. i think it's pretty clear now that this industry is most likely not going to survive this pandemic and uh, we've had this discussion before and i predicted five to ten years Mm -hmm. uh before this pandemic that the uh, cinema industry was going to go under it's much quicker now Uh, yeah you know it's they've they've hit the jugular uh so far so and i kind of the kind of future that I'm seeing and like, it's not, uh, this isn't informed or anything or whatever. And I know you don't like speculating this kind of stuff, but like I could see a future where the streaming, like the video on demand stuff is the primary release of a movie. And then movie theaters will still exist, but as niche markets to like uh, house, like the big blockbusters and special screenings. Like I don't, Right. Which is a so you're not going to have the multiplexes. You're going to have more scenarios like the IMAX downtown where they have maybe two screens that are playing big releases, big event movie ties. But you're not going to see the art house movies getting released in the theaters unless it's like a specialty event or, you know, just a, a little niche night at the art house theaters. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think the days of 18 screen uh, cinema complexes are over. Yeah, I, and I I can't refute that at all. And that that in a nutshell is why is is the biggest reason why it's so kind of just heartbreaking because you think about like like indie filmmakers and people that are like aren't in the studio system or in the industry where they're pumping out these mil- multiple millions and millions of dollars of movies, but like the the smaller movies and everything like depriving those artists of a uh of a of a movie theater experience for their for their art is just really just sad to me 
Um, yeah. I, I agree. I, I love the movie theater experience. Um, I'm going to miss it uh, terribly. I, I do miss it terribly. Um, but I think one of the things you're going to see, one benefit of this is it's going to be an easier uh, method for getting indie type movies to the general public to begin with. Yeah. You know, and this started before the COVID thing. You know, you had um, top tier directors putting their uh, their movies on streaming services. You know, you have Martin Scorsese uh, releasing The Irishman on Netflix. You have Roma going to Netflix, and Roma being a an Oscar nominated film. So you're gonna see a lot more movies available to the general public that may not have gone to the theater to go see, you know, The Irishman or Roma or some of these other lesser tiered indie films. So the exposure is going to be probably a little bit better for uh, the you know lesser involved movies. But I think you're probably going to see for a little bit until they figure out the new business model. Some of these big blockbusters are, are going to be far and few between because they're so expensive. Uh, the market right now is just not there. And when it does come back, I think the China market is going to be extremely volatile. I think the repercussions of what's going on between U.S. and China right now is not even breached the surface. Uh, you know, the Chinese market has been such a huge benefit to, to Hollywood. And there's a lot of things going on with that country that I don't, I don't think that that's going to continue on that course. I could be wrong. I, you know, politics are a funny thing. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, right now it's pretty evident that our country and a lot of countries in the world are kind of at odds with China right now. Yeah. It, it's especially over censorship. So, so I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I can make all the predictions I, I can, and I'd, you know, probably be wrong, but it's just, it doesn't look good for the industry right now. I agree. I agree. And hopefully, hopefully something happens to kind of salvage something. And, uh, I don't know. I, I do not think we are going to see tenant this year. <laughs> um, I, I agree. Um, internationally, it looks like they're going to. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers has been pretty staunch on their claim that it's not going to be released to video on demand, but a lot of people have changed their tune, you know, and not just in the movie industry. You know, the, uh, the track, the Indianapolis 500 track said, we're unequivocally going to run this race with fans. And they said that back in May, mm-hmm. and they released the announcement just this week that they are going to run this race now without fans. Yeah. Um, Major League Baseball, uh, they're struggling right now, too, because they're having to postpone a lot of games because they're having a lot of problems with uh, players testing positive for COVID. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the big talk is NFL right now, and I know you're not a big sports guy, but if MLB is having these kinds of problems, NFL is going to. And NFL, there's only 16 games in a a season for these teams. I don't see the NFL completing their season this Mm -hmm. year. And I think that's going to be – it's, that's going to parallel the lines of the entertainment industry too. Mm. That's that, just my opinion. It's yeah. a sucky opinion, but yeah. But I mean, it's a more it's a realistic kind of right. Opinion. Like I I think what was it the um I don't remember the teams, but in the MLB, the two teams played like a series of like three games, and like at, right after that, like sixteen of them got like tested positive. I think. Uh, well, the the Marlins, the Marlins had nineteen players on their roster test positive for it, and like three coaches. And, you know, they're trying to have these players uh, confine themselves to these hotel rooms, and that's great in theory, but you're talking about a bunch of uh, super athletic mm-hmm. uh, young people, and you're going to tell them, sit in your hotel room in between games, that's just not, that, that's not practical. And they're doing what any, you know, 
mid twenties or young twenty year old, you know, athletic guy that's used to doing what he wants. It, it's happening. They're going to the hotel bar. They're going, you know, the the Cardinals players went to a casino and the Cardinals had some players turn up positive. And you can sit there and you can be mad at the players, but I I really can't blame them. Mm-hmm. To tell them you're going to be cooped up in this hotel room and and dance for us, monkey, when we tell you to, and come out and play this game, and then go back to your room, that's just not practical. I'm sorry, it's not, especially for these super athletes. Uh, they need an outlet. So it's you're either going to have to accept the fact that these players are going to come into contact with this disease, or you're just going to have to cancel this these seasons. Yeah. And uh, in my opinion, I think the players should just. Uh, accept it. Uh, they're getting paid millions of dollars uh, for to play these games, and they're giving them the option to opt out if they want to. If you don't feel comfortable, okay, opt out. But if not, uh, you know, turns out that people have been stocking groceries and uh, for seven fifty an hour for since March. You know, on the front lines of this thing, and no one seems to to worry about them all too much. But yeah. God forbid a guy making millions of dollars in MLB contracts the virus. So. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. And I mean, I know exactly what you mean talking about, like, a mid-20s super athletic guy. I mean, I just, I know that world so well. No, yeah, that's the lifestyle <laughs> you live, too. I get it. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then all the stuff with the schools and everything is just... I don't know, like the last several months I've like I've gone from having like panic attacks over it, just like just fear based panic attacks and everything, to being just kind of okay ish and everything or more comfortable. But now it's just like I just want everything to just kinda of go back to normal and it's not, so no, it, it, it's not. Um unless unless they unless we allow it to. Uh I, I think that you know, we, I've said earlier, this thing is here. It's not going to go anywhere. Even when the vaccine does hit, there's still going to pe- have people that are going to contract this thing. You know, yeah. vaccines aren't 100%. Mm-hmm. The flu vaccine is uh, evidence of that. So, and the school thing, you know, not to get too much involved into this, but I just, I can't fathom not sending these kids back to school. And, and I'm not saying that for the benefit of the children, but. You know, there's these parents need to go to work too, and they can't sit home and and uh, teach their kids uh, or make sure they sit in front of these you know computer devices. And you're talking about kids or homes with multiple kids, and they were not going to be able to afford three or four devices to teach, and they don't have enough money to pay for a good internet service with the bandwidth required to do this. There's, there's just so many factors that you know the education of the children of this country is, is extremely important, and I I feel like keeping them home is a disservice to them. And again, if people have altering opinions of that and I respect that and I get it, uh, and I would never, you know, get on Facebook and call them a bunch of assholes for it. But you know, this just, <laughs> I think people are going to have to accept the fact that this is here and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And that, that is such a leveled way to look at it. Cause like in my head, I'm like, okay, well yeah, the, you can't open schools back up because that's just going to cause like everything to spread even further. Like I saw a, a post that someone like a meme where someone was like, okay, yeah, well you can, you can say that, you know, schools are going to have social distancing and everything and require masks and everything, but like your kid's going to come home, the, your kid's going to go to school wearing a Spider-Man mask and come but, home with a Ninja Turtles mask because he traded it with someone because kids I, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're, and they're right. You yeah. know, kids are going to be kids and you can only do so much, mm-hmm. 
you know, in that field, it, it's, it's going to spread. Fortunately, you know, kids don't seem to be susceptible to this virus all that much. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have outlying cases and you have that with anything. But I, I just, man, keeping these kids, you know, these kids have been home since March, mm-hmm. since March. And kids just, they need that structure. They need that learning structure. And it's just. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be detrimental to keep them home for an, an indefinite period of time. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be detrimental to everybody. I can definitely understand that. My kind of big thing, like, okay, my sister is currently living with my mom, and my mom is older. She has like diabetes. She has respiratory like susceptibility to like respiratory illnesses and stuff. So, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, well, if my sister sends her kids to school. <laughs> And they contract it, and my mom contracts it because they live in the same place. Like, like my mom sure. would very much like not survive it. Like, it is very much a possibility. And fortunately, my sister's kids did get uh, um, approved for e-learning and everything. But I do totally understand your point. Like, yeah, it is. It is. It's just such a weird time. It is such a freaking weird time. It is, and I, I get your point. I get your concern, hundred yeah. percent, and that's a extremely valid concern. Mm-hmm. And under circumstances like that, I'd have no problem with the ability for uh, your sister to be able to petition to do online courses if they have that availability. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, that is a special you know, circumstance. There's not going to be a one size fits all for anything at this right. point. So yeah, and I've talked about it before. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but it just feels like. It just feels like there is such an intense lack of leadership and direction in terms of oh, the people in charge. There's no argument from me on that. Yeah, and so. that's that's the most infuriating thing about all of it is that it's just it, that's what causes me to have anxiety over it because there's just no there's no sense of like leadership or anything. It's just it's so yeah. Yeah. Well, it it's just typical of the United States in general to have a, a, a pandemic like this and have it immediately be politicized. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I don't care what size, side of the aisle you're on on this. It's being used as a political event on both sides, and it's, it's unfortunate. In my opinion, it just shows how little um, government or politicians care about the general public. Yeah. And, and, and I'm saying that about Democrats, Republicans, anybody that's involved in government right now. So. Yeah. Oh, I agree. it's just it's just it's yeah just i was thinking about this today and we'll get into our actual movie review and everything but uh but i was thinking about this today as i was walking through the building i work in because i have to go into the office twice a week while wearing my mask and i was looking around like it's like there's some people that are still working in the office but for the most part it's pretty empty and like i just i kind of i kind of keep thinking about it in terms of like the building I work in is the building that I've worked in for the last 14 years across two different types of jobs. Like I worked as a security guard in that building and then now I'm working for the company in the building. And like if I could go back and like if like even a few years ago, if I could see like now, like what the building is like now and like see me wearing a mask as I'm going through and just sorting papers and everything and seeing all the signage and everything – in just the overall atmosphere as I like interact with people who are just kind of like does keeping to themselves and everything. It is so surreal and weird and everything. And like you just said that, uh, how the, uh, Indy 500 is going to, is going to run with zero fans. <laughs> and that is just, yeah. 
nuts to me. Because like to put into context, like, you people, you wouldn't be able to convince somebody two years ago that this was yeah. this, this was a thing, oh, and yeah. it's just it's crazy. Yeah. And one on one hand, I, I find it incredibly interesting to be living in a, a time that's going to be considered that's going to be studied in history books. Yeah. On the other hand, turns out that living in a time that's going to be studied in history books fucking sucks it really does it really does yeah and like i uh, yeah yeah yep it it sucks but just think someone in the future is going to listen to this podcast and mine it for information (laughs) (laughs) that's true or some aliens are going to find it uh you know it just the one more tangent and then we can get on to actually talking about the the films Mm -hmm. a testament to just how fucked up this this uh year has been Mm -hmm. We had a legitimate Pentagon official admit that we have recovered crafts that they think are off-world, and no one batted an eye. Yeah. Oh, no yeah. one batted. Everyone it was like, oh, okay, that's a thing. That's fine. Yep. That, you know, last year, that would have turned the world upside down. This year, everyone's like, whatever, okay. Yep. And that, th- like, to me, that's one of the most important news events of, of you know, the decade, right. and this, this country has brushed it off. Yep. Like you were told that tomorrow it's going to be eighty-eight degrees. Like, <laughs> right. oh, okay, all right, that's yeah. fine. Sure, it's 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 incredible. Yep, it is it is insane. And like previous to that, they have been not like they've said like over the I think the last couple of years or something like, oh yeah, UFOs exist. And like anytime they say that, I'm like, okay, well yeah, unidentified flying objects exist because they're not identified. Like, right, yeah, this definition yeah. of. But like this is like no, we. If they said off-world, yeah. it was like. We we believe this shit to be off world. It's like Jesus. It's like that's that's oh, that's insane. So I It is. Know. Completely insane. Yep. Yep. So hopefully that means anyway. that uh hopefully I'm getting this right. Hopefully that means that soon Jorel is gonna come down and save us. That would be great. Mm-hmm. If uh Kal-El, Kal-El. if Jor El uh, is Papa Super. Okay. Yeah, and Cal Al is a uh, Superman. So yes, if if Cal Al comes, oh fucking awesome! Yeah, all right, yep. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, so let's review some movies. <laughs> all right, yes, movies. <laughs> okay, so yeah that that was a uh, long tangent. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys aren't feeling too anxious about it. But we're, <laughs> yeah, we are going to be reviewing two movies today. Hopefully, two movies. Hopefully, we're still good with time. Um. So the first up is Palm Springs, which is not the one that I just clicked on. Um, Palm Springs. It is available on Hulu. It's uh, it's produced by the Lonely Island. Um, Palm Springs stars Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. And, of course, we're going to do a non-spoiler review and then a spoiler review. So here is a plot summary courtesy of IMDb. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. Um, man, that is a great plot summary. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't give much away at all. That's no. impressive. I'll give him uh, uh, props on that. Yeah. Uh, writer for the movie was Andy Ciara, and director was Max Barbacow. So, Fekus, uh, how how were you anticipating Palm Springs, and how did you feel about it in broad, non-spoiler terms? So, anticipation is going to be pretty much my anticipation for any movie that comes out right now. Is <laughs> I literally clicked on Hulu, and I'm like, oh, Andy Samberg put a Hulu movie out? 
I'll probably watch that because mm-hmm. I like Andy Samberg. Yeah. So um, I really didn't have much anticipation for it at all. And after watching it, I'm gonna, I was, this might have been my favorite movie to see since, you know, this pandemic uh, began. And this is now our new outlet for movies uh, nice. as far as new movies for 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, not my favorite movie 2020, but since all this has occurred, I, I thought it was a delightful movie. Like it, it was, it was a good comedy. It was fun, lighthearted, something that you know <laughs> probably needed right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun with this movie, and I, I would almost classify this as a rom com. And I know I'm historically anti rom coms, but as far as rom coms come go, that is one of the top, you know, better ones, if not best. Nice. I'm so happy to hear you say that because A, definitely rom-com. B, I love rom-coms and I loved this movie I know you so do. much. Um, I was so charmed by this movie. It's like I was pretty – I was anticipating it pretty heavily because I, I like Andy Samberg. I like The Lonely Island and Kristen Milioti. She was in the last couple of seasons of How I Met Your Mother and as terrible as that show ended – her role in that show was one of the most charming, like, like fall in love with this character kind of runs of a character on a TV sitcom. <laughs> and so seeing her in another lead role or in a lead role in a movie, uh, that is also super charming. And I, I was super like into her performance and everything was just a real treat. I really, really dug this movie. Um, going into, did you have any inclination about the Groundhog's Day aspect of it? So it's, this is funny because, first of all, no, um, I, I didn't have, I, I had a vague idea because I uh, saw like a three-line review of it on IGN. Okay. So I had a, kind of a vague idea of the concept of kind of like a Groundhog's Day thing. But the funny thing about this was um, about two weeks ago, I was just looking for something to watch that I had not ever seen. Mm-hmm. And on my queue in Netflix, I had Groundhog's Day. I'd never seen it. I knew I knew what Groundhog's Day was was and what was what it was about. So I was like, well, I got an hour and a half to kill. I'll watch this. So I watched Groundhog's Day, and then they dropped uh, Palm Springs. I'm like, Jesus Christ! That's, wow. If that's not an indication that this uh, whole world is a simulation, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I thought it was very funny that I I saw Groundhog's Day for the first time and then saw this kind of like. Not a remake of Groundhog's Day, but something of, of, of parallel uh, lines to Groundhog's Day. So, that's yeah, really, it, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, Groundhog Day kind of seems like the type of movie that you would be really into. Like it's not, like that's oh yeah, um, like it's it's got Bill Murray in it. Uh, it's a you know it's a '90s comedy, which you know it's kind of my generation. Right, uh, just never saw it, but you know, I, on the short of it, I thoroughly enjoyed Groundhog's Day. I'm going to say that I thought Palm Springs was better. Oh, nice. Nice. I, you know, it's been so long since I've seen Groundhog's Day that I, I can't say for certain. I, I think, I think if I, if I rewatch Groundhog's Day, I would probably, probably lean toward Palm Springs as well, uh, in terms of liking it more just because it's more my, my speed in terms of genre and, and I don't know, wit. Um, right. Groundhog's Day is, is incredible, but, yeah, Palm Springs. I was just super into. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Andy Samberg was was great in it. Like he was just hilarious and just his off the cuff, like don't give a shit. You know, because well, I, I'll I won't go into that because it's kind of like spoilery. But you know, just 
from the onset, you know, you immediately like this character because he's just like, whatever. Yep. Showing up to the wedding and like, uh, his shorts and, a uh, a Hawaiian shirt <laughs> later on, you know why, but you're like, that's hilarious. It kind of very vaguely feels a little bit, uh, the dude esque, um, like big Lebowski a little bit. That kind of I like, I see, I see where you're going. I, I don't know. I think that there are two completely different mindsets. I would, I would okay, say, sure. In my opinion, you know, because the dude is just living his life, and it's hard to explain why I think that's different without spoiling it. Spo- spoiling it. Spoiling it. But um, if it, you know, Andy Samberg's character uh, at this point has lived long enough in this day to day that he's just like given up and just like go with the flow. I got. He I know has, this is going to happen again. Yeah. Going to do it again. He has a darker edge than than the dude, but I think that kind of just taking it as it comes, kind of uh, way that he does. I think that they have some kind of similarities there. Granted, I haven't seen Big Lebowski in a long time, so um, oh, I watch. I, I watch that several, uh, probably a couple, if not three times a year. I love that movie. Nice, nice. Um, mm-hmm. how, what did you think of Kristen Milioti? Uh, she, I thought she was very charming. I don't know that I've ever seen her in anything. Um, I, you know, I'm not a big sitcom guy, so I never watched uh, How I Met Your Mother. But uh, she was she was incredibly charming. I loved her a lot. I thought she was great in the role. Yeah, you know, this is one of those. She's easy to fall fall for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is a there's a montage, um, <laughs> like about maybe almost midway through the movie, where it's just them just doing their Groundhog Day thing. And right. there's something about like it's a staple of rom-coms like oh they're gonna have the montage of the couple together and everything but in this context there was something about it that just made it made it feel so fresh and unique in terms of the actual concept of the movie that i was just all for it and i i totally bought into their chemistry like throughout the entire movie I oh yeah. it was great yeah without a doubt yeah and i, I love the part about that montage that i love is that at that point, they're both embracing the situation that they're in, and they're just going to go and ha- enjoy as much about it as they can. And I, it, it's it's great. I, I love that concept. Oh yeah. Um, would, <laughs> would you ever want to be stuck in a time loop like that? Say it again. You broke up. Oh, sorry. Would you ever want to be stuck in a time loop like that? Absolutely not. Uh, it sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I agree. Yeah. I think I would be uh, J.K. Simmons's character in that situation. Yes. Which I I really and we'll talk more about him in spoilers, but I really liked the kind of um, the uh, not versions that we saw of him, but the different the different variety of interactions we saw with him because like his introduction in the movie is pretty intense, and then. Get, yeah. like, a really a really good like heart to heart moment with him that I just it just it kind of brought more texture into the drama of like the situation of the time loop thing. Uh, oh, that that scene is is the scene for the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love that that uh, conversation between them, and I love how it plays out, how it ends. So. Yep. Um, I, I could have gone with more Roy. I thought he was great. I, I would like to see more, but I know the focal point is yeah. uh, Andy Samberg and her. So, but I, no, Roy's. I, I love Roy's character. I, the concept of Roy was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And J.K. Simmons. I mean, he's he's legendary. He's oh, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's knocks it out of the park no matter what. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Um, how did you feel about the actual comedy of it? Like the, were there any parts that stood out to you in terms of bits that were done that, that made you laugh or anything? Or was it more just like enjoying the ride? Most of it was enjoying the ride. I love the stuff that happened at the, uh, the biker bar. I had a lot of fun with that, uh, especially with the old grizzled lady. But yeah, for the most part, I, I, it's, that's kind of my co- type of comedy if we're going to do a rom-com. Mm-hmm. And so I, don't, I can't say that you know, I just sat there and laughed out loud the entire time, but it was, it was charming and fun. I think that was kind of the, uh, the appeal of it for me. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I just I loved living with those characters in that world and with that concept. Like there were right. moments where like Andy Samberg is telling her stories about his past and the loop and everything, and it's like those were pretty pretty well done. But in terms of in terms of comedy, they were funny. But also, it's just giving more like I said texture to the character and everything. And it's just I thought right. it was a really well written movie. I really loved it. Yeah, it was, it was great. I, I was reading the reviews. Like when I read reviews, I just kind of look at the numerical uh, number they give it and kind of go from there because I don't want to be spoiled. Sure. But I anticipated it, it being at least enjoyable. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised to have enjoyed it this much. Yeah. Yep. Uh, same here. I, I was I was pretty much primed to love it. And I was kind of, I, I was just very pleasantly pleased with it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go into spoilers so we don't have to dance around anymore? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to play a clip from the trailer for Palm Springs, and then uh, we're going to go into spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out on Hulu and then come back and listen to the section of the podcast or um, skip ahead to the review of The Old Guard that we're going to do afterwards. Check the show notes for timestamps. Here's a clip from the trailer for Palm Springs. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You! What is going on? Hey, get out of the water, girl! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. Okay. So, something that I really loved about the way that the movie structured is that... Uh, I'll save the reveal of of her waking up um, for later. But the first thing that I thought when I saw the movie was I knew that it was about two people stuck in a time loop. And then the way that it's set up and the way that it's introduced is that we see that Andy Samberg has been in the time loop for a very long time. And uh, like I found myself like hoping that I I had kind of forgotten or I was I was thinking that, oh, maybe she's not really in the time loop with him or anything. And like, I was so delighted when she did, because that's such a fresh take on this type of uh, concept. So in spoilers, how did you feel about the movie in more specific details? I I agree. I think the, uh, the aspect of we, us coming into Andy Samberg's character, having been in the time loop for uh, years, most likely was a great, great introduction to it. It, 
not only that, because it introduces you to this character and you just think that he is, uh, you know, that flippant or, you know, carefree, but it, you don't realize why he is that way until, uh, you know, 20 minutes into the movie. And then you're like, oh my God, that's hilarious. So it's not like Groundhog's Day where, you know, he, you come in and you follow him through the time loop. You know, he's been there for a long time and it's established and that's why, you know, his, we, at this point, we don't even know what he was like before the time loop, but this is him now. And mm. it's funny to see that obviously he's become that through the time loop. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I, I love that the way that we're given details about him, it, like we're, we I don't even think we really even get any real backstory for, for him. Or no, you don't, you, you don't know what this guy did for a living. You don't know why he is with this girl at this wedding who he knows. Like you almost know absolutely nothing about his, you know, who he is before he got caught in the time loop. Yeah. And you still don't at the end until, you know, you find out he's, he's had a, had a dog and that's, that's it. That's literally it. And I love that. And I think it's such a, such a, a mark toward the writing of the movie that even though we don't have those details, we know everything. Like we, we learn so much about him as a character. And I feel like that's kind of a unique way to present it because he has been in this time loop for, a very very long time like it's i mean it's it's a ridiculous amount of time almost inconceivable amount of time and so i believe uh 40 years is what i read oh interesting okay jeez oh yeah that would be a nightmare but um, <laughs> yeah but i love that because we we are introduced to him as as who he has become and we like peeling back his character is less about finding out who he was and regaining who he was and more about just like how he has changed in this time loop. And I think that that's just a really clever and, and and insightful way for the character to develop in the movie. I just, I really appreciated that. Uh, Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, really fun introduction to a character. Yeah. Totally. Um, speaking of fun introductions to the characters, Roy's introduction with the arrow. Oh my god! It, like it was hilarious, but I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Why, why is this guy hunting him with a with a bow and arrow? Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a great introduction, it's and so Roy ended up being one of my favorite parts of the movie. Mine too. Mine too. Um, god, so good and. In t- in contrast to uh, his character of of Andy Samberg's character, um, Kristen Milioti's character Sarah, um, we don't get her backstory until pretty well into the movie that it's revealed that she slept with a groom the night before, and right. the just like that gives so much detail or that or that that is so interesting to me as in terms of just a haunting presence for her because she has to wake up. Like in this mistake, every, every day, day with with that mistake. Yeah, and I love yeah, that the movie holds that back and then reveals it. Like I, I kind of gasped at it. I was like, "That's that's really clever." Um, right. Yeah, it was a really good reveal. Uh, and you know, they, I, I wouldn't even say they hint at it, but they kind of drop little tidbits of like, "Why isn't so and so in a room?" And yeah. like, "Well, yeah, why isn't she in a room?" But yep. yeah, it's it's yeah. very interesting dynamic to her character and the the overall arching of the or arch of the story arc of the story right totally and the uh and also the the 
the day that they spend where she's determined that it's karma that's keeping her in the time loop. So she like whispers to her sister and she like, and we're not like, we don't hear what she says or anything. And like, you kind of think, at least from my perspective, I was like, Oh, she's saying something like super sweet and very endearing or something. And she's like explaining, but then like, then that happens. It's like, Oh, that recontextualizes that entirely. (laughs) Um, just really good. Um, yeah. And uh another big kind of reveal was uh Andy Samberg Niles revealing that he has slept with her thousands of times. Yeah, but I yeah. I think you kind of figure that. Like yeah. I it, it wasn't a shock to me. I was kind of like, eh. like he he had taken that uh that part of the story like very like that happened very smoothly as if it, it had been done before. So not that it was off the cuff. So uh, my my feeling was like, ah, he's done this before. And today was the day he was like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sleep with her again today. Mm. That's a good point. And I kind of, like I suspected it, but I don't know. To go, kind of go back to his his kind of flippant nature, he's kind of flippant about that too. And I can understand how she would be just like really uh, shocked by it and everything. I thought that that was a really good way in terms of like – the rom-com cliche and the rom-com structure. I thought that that was a really, a really, a good way to kind of have them do their quint, like the the quintessential rom-com split up. Um, right. Yeah. Thing. I thought that, that was good, and I really liked that she spent that time <laughs> learning quantum mechanics. Learning, yeah. I thought that was because I I don't think I've seen any like any use of like that type of device i actually problem like actually solve how to get out of it um like actually using the time and everything i thought that was kind of clever um yeah um how did you feel about the kind of i guess ending um them escaping and everything oh i I thought obviously you know the whole time loop thing is not rooted in any type of science Mm -hmm. uh Having them just explode out of it is like, eh, okay, whatever. It, it was nothing, you know, mind blowing. It, it was they had to come out of it some way, so I guess that's one way to have it done. So I'm not gonna sit here and say it was the greatest method of them coming out of the time loop, but it was, it worked for them, I guess. It, it wasn't the most impressive part of the movie for me. Okay, that's fair. I think I just I liked it as kind of a refresher from the type of thing that I was expecting. I was expecting like, oh, they're gonna realize that they're meant to be and that they're in love and everything. Yeah. Gonna, I'm glad. Well, that would have been a terrible way too. So, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's better than the alternative for sure. 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 Um, any other- I mean, it's, it's quirky. It's quirky. It's funny. So it, it kind of fits the, uh, the tone of the movie. So that's fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I love the last scene. <laughs> they're like, Oh, I guess, I guess they come back on November. 10th. Right. I guess they come back today. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on the movie? We kind of ran through it pretty quickly, but how did you so, feel about it? Like the revelation of Roy, yes. I think, first of all, um, finding out why Roy is Roy, I, I thought was fascinating because I feel like Roy's presence when he meets him at the, uh, at the wedding for the first time mm-hmm. is kind of how Andy Sandberg's character had developed after being through the time loop. Cause he, cause that, that was just kind of like my take on Roy is just very off the cuff, very laid back, very don't give a care mm-hmm. about anything that given your first introduction. So I thought it was a good parallel to uh, Andy Samberg and you kind of understand why he is so uh, drawn to him at that time. 
And but I love the uh, explanation as to why Roy is hunting him down. Yeah. And then the the final interaction, the final final conversation between him and Roy, I thought was just to me that was the the scene of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I just good. it was a, it was a perfect scene, and it ends perfectly too with him shooting him with bow and arrow right in the trash can. So. Yeah. That was great, and I, it just it really brought home this other side of this of this situation and everything. Because you know you have the montage and everything where it's all kind of happy go lucky and fun and everything, but like the kind of the mental anguish of like oh I'm like I can never see my kids grow up because they're the same age every day and <laughs> all that like that kind of thing just like really felt I don't know just uh, like that kind of in, was endearing to me. Um, it's kind of shitty that they left Roy in the loop though. It is, but did you watch the mid-credits scene? No, I did not. Oh. I did not know that there was a mid-credits scene. Interesting. Yeah, after a couple of after a couple of runs of the credits, there's a scene at the end. I I won't spoil it for you. Um, I'll go. I'll go and watch it. Okay. I'll go and watch it. Yeah. Interesting. But, uh, well, I wish I would have known that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I just. Yeah. It's. It's good. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Yep. And there's there's nothing after the credits or anything. It's just mid credit scene. Um, God, I gotta get used to every single movie having a goddamn mid credit scene uh, now. I, I guess. know, right? Ugh. It's not just a Marvel thing. Yep, gotta get used to every movie having mid credit scenes. Every movie being on streaming. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so um, in the pan, ha- have you watched any other Lonely Island movies like Pop Star or Hot Rod? And how does it? Uh, I, wa- I, I, I haven't seen Pop or I haven't seen Hot Rod. Mm. I saw Popstar. Yeah. You know I saw Popstar because yeah. I was in the theater with you. Right. <laughs> uh, I love Pop. I love Popstar. I thought it was hilarious. Me too. Um, and that was really. I think Popstar was probably my first real introduction to Andy Samberg because uh, I had stopped watching SNL by that time, and so I really wasn't uh, familiar with much of his work. So, but I, I thought Popstar was great. Me too. I I just rewatched it and it holds up. It holds up really well. Um, yeah, it, it seems like one of those that would not really diminish. Yeah, and it's a little. Maybe it's not fair to really compare them because uh, Palm Springs is is written and directed by someone other than like the Lonely Island team. Lonely Island just kind of produced um, uh, Palm Springs, whereas they were writing and starring in, in Popstar. But uh, yeah, I just I really. I I really really loved this movie and uh, yeah and I'm looking forward to watching it again. Really, it's one of those that's going to be on rotation. I think. Uh, well, I'm going to try to get my get Cassie to watch because I think it's something she would really dig too. So nice. nice. I try to have her watch it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, and and we'll move on to the old guard here in a bit. Um, but uh, you mentioned it's not your not your favorite movie of the year or anything like. Do you want to give a rundown just real quick? Like, what's like your top two movies of the year so far? Oh man, uh, let me let me pull up my list real quick. Mm. Um, it's readily available on my phone, so nice. you know, man, it's would be readily readily available as well. Is if you got a Letterboxd account. <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess. Uh, what, what's this uh, letterbox thing? Yeah, I've never really heard post, of it. Post uh, post your viewing stats and and log your movies and and share reviews and stuff. It's I love it so much. Oh uh, okay. Uh, we, well, you know, going into uh, before this all started, mm-hmm. um, God, the last movie I saw in the theater was Onward, uh, oh, wow. and that was on March March tenth. Wow, I, March 11th was the way back for me. That was the last movie in the theater. Um, so I hadn't seen a whole lot. 
I saw Birds of Prey. Uh, it doesn't count, but it's what I saw in 2020. So I, I would say Parasite is probably the best movie I've seen this year. And I know technically that's a 2019 movie. But if you're going to tell me I have to pick one from uh, this year, mm-hmm. I had so much fun with uh, The Gentleman. I'd have to say that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed The Gentleman. So. I still haven't now, watched it. You gave me the digital copy, I, and I still haven't watched it. I feel bad. Yeah. But, yeah. To, to be to be fair though, uh, if this were say twenty twenty wasn't the train wreck that it was, mm. I don't think the gentleman would crack, crack my top ten. Okay. Uh, but I, it doesn't mean I I didn't absolutely love it. But I just know that you know I, you know, Tenet and uh, No Time for to Die and Black Widow. You know, there's there's a plethora of movies that I could have seen that could have easily yeah. bumped it. But I, movie specifically from twenty twenty, I'm gonna have to say that the gentleman so far is. You know, probably my number one. Nice, nice. So, and what would be the runner-up? Well, I guess, I guess, onward. Okay, nice. I would probably be a safe bet for runner-up. I'm trying to go through see what I've seen. Uh, you know, th- I've watched the uh, Extraction was okay. That was that that uh, uh, Chris, um, Chris Hemsworth Netflix mm. uh, vehicle, and it was it was nothing spectacular but it was entertaining i guess in a sense but yeah i just yeah fuck this year man (laughs) i know yeah it's uh i really thought uh the five blood was going to be up there but i thought it was just a little bit better than okay okay i still haven't gotten around to seeing that but uh i've heard good things i thought you did i thought you saw that one no i was supposed to but i I didn't get around to it um but I did see the old guard, <laughs> and oh, yeah. let's uh, let's switch mm. off to our review of the old guard. <laughs> um, so... Okay. Who are you? You can call me Andy. I lead a group of soldiers, fighters like you, with an extremely rare skill set. What do you mean? Let's just say we're very hard to kill. You've got questions, kid. You want answers? Yeah, so here we go. Uh, We're going to do non-spoiler and spoiler review. The Old Guard is on Netflix right now. It is... um, Uh, okay, the plot summary courtesy of IMDb is a covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret just as an unexpected new member is discovered. Uh, this movie stars Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, uh, Matthias Skonarts, and is directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood and written by Greg Rucker based on his graphic novel series of the same name. So, Fekis, um... It's based on a graphic novel. You're a comic book fan. Were you aware of it? Had you ever read any of it or anything? No, I, I'd never heard of this uh, intellectual property. So this was, I, I knew it was coming on Netflix. Uh, so, and I'd read a couple of reviews for it uh, through IGN and uh, comingsoon.net, both of whom gave it pretty glowing reviews. Yeah, it's So it's I was anticipating something good. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh huh. I guess critics don't get it right every time. 
no, 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 they don't. Um, so in broad non-spoiler terms, uh, how did you feel about the old guard? <laughs> I would call, like, if I wrote a review for this, I think I would just not even write anything except for painfully forgettable mm-hmm. would be my review of it. It's just, it was a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, it was, it should have just called it the old cliches. Cause that's really what it was. Yes. And it was just mundane action, uh, trying to emulate John Wick scenes. And it was just, it was forgettable. Like I, I struggle to even think about this movie in terms of what I remember from it, because it, like I, I was just checked out halfway through. I was like, I guess I have to finish watching this because I told Matt I'd review it. But <laughs> whew, yeah, it, it was not good. Uh, I'll never see it again. And, uh, you know, their little tag scene at the end has not gotten me excited I, to see the sequel. So I hate that. Like, yeah. that is something I'm growing to hate in any movie, like the setting up of a sequel, like in setting up. Oh, right. I, I hate it. So much. How about you wait to see how successful you, this one's exactly. going to be? But they're going to make it. They've, I think they've already even said they're going to make it. Probably. So, Ugh. like, I, I won't watch it because I don't. I just don't care. Like, I didn't care halfway through this. I don't think I cared about this movie twenty minutes into it. I was like, yeah. okay. It's it's so weird because, like, okay, the plot the plot involving like immortal mercenaries. Like, okay, that as a concept is like is like just a little bit interesting. <laughs> like it's, it's right. like a kernel of an idea that could be interesting, but the entire movie surrounding it is just cliched action movie. Just, just running through the running through the paces and everything. It's like they, they don't do anything interesting with that and they don't tell any, any compelling story with it at all. It's just, it's just so bland. And the the bad guy, uh, the Dursley from Harry Potter, uh, just so typical, like ridiculously evil for no reason except for I want to become richer, even though look at my riches. Like I'm legitimately the world's richest man and better get rich. I'm like, come on. This is just nonsense. First of all, there's there's no pharmaceutical company that cares that much about immortality, okay? Yes, just as a at the base level, like that's not like that is something that it could probably shut down the pharmaceutical industry. Right, like that that would be ridiculous. I need this. I need immortality so I can what stop producing medicine. Right, like nonsense. When you pull at the threads, it comes apart super easily, and like it's it's so much does. Yeah, uh, and it's funny. And it, it, I I was no go ahead. Oh, um. I came into this prepared to say like, you know, the, the action was pretty good. And like the stylized violence was pretty cool. Then you threw out the John wick reference and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yep. I can definitely, I can definitely see it. Like that has dropped it down in my eyes now because it is so just reactionary to that style and everything. And it's not done well, really. Um, It's not, it's like a film student uh, decided to make a a John wick mm -hmm. uh, clone. And it just came out just like, wow, I guess you understand the principles right. behind fight scenes, but 
it's not dynamic. It's not interesting, and it's flat boring to be perfectly honest. In the characters, you don't really care about any of them. Really, it's like I couldn't get. I couldn't name the character no. at this point. Um, I just know Charlize Theron's character, Andy. Like, that's fine. Okay, yeah, because she's Andromeda. Yeah. Okay, great. Like, her and, and Kiki Lane's character as the kind of the the, the new blood into into this, this group of mercenaries and stuff. Like, it's just, it's just so rote and so just completely um, uh, cliched and it's like I can't like they have that whole fist fight on the plane and I'm just like what's the point of this like like this right it's oh it's just so bland and, and uninteresting um, like I, yeah I, again I like I couldn't care less about Charlie Theron's backstory they, they try to make it compelling yeah and I'm going to take you, I'm going to be honest, I was taken right out of the movie with the poor production value of her medieval fight scene stuff. Like, I, it just looked <laughs> like they found these costumes in the back of a theater house that was doing some Shakespeare plays, and I just it was terrible. It was, just, I, it was awful. I honestly had checked out so much at that point that like that didn't even register with me i was like okay this is her backstory this is this is this person this we're doing this okay fine i don't like it's i had i was so i was so focused on trying to just follow what was going on because it was so bland and uninteresting to me that it didn't even register me with me the production value Um, but yeah and how about the 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 new immortal you look like your hardened, hardened, seasoned uh, combat operative in the U.S. military in a hostile combat zone. I've never seen someone in that capacity be so averse, uh, you know, not used to violence. Yeah. It's like every, everything was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. You were literally in a war-torn country fighting in a combat zone as a combat specialist, and you you're this averse to violence and that's that's where i think the movie had its biggest misstep because there's a little bit of lip service done to show like she was she's saying that oh well you know the the marines conditioned me to to be like a warrior and everything and all that and then now like if i if i'm in like a life or death fight like i know that i i can't die or whatever like that those like little elements there could have been expanded and been more interesting but it's just it's just left there it's like like okay this is our explanation for why she doesn't like the violence or whatever because we need her to leave at one point so she can come back not because right. it's interesting for the character we need her to be the reluctant hero in exactly. this and it's just oh. i'm sorry yeah. it just it was just awful yeah it it just uh it did not it did not really do anything for me and there, do we even need to do a spoiler section? <laughs> you know what? I, I will say this, and it, it doesn't even have to be a spoiler, I guess. Uh, the one like one part about this movie that I thought was semi-interesting or at least inventive was the way that they did away with Charlize Theron's uh, best uh, immortal buddy. Like I thought that was actually kind of clever and horrifying at the same time, locking her into a uh, a a steel casket and drop her into the bottom of the ocean to die over and over again for eternity. That's pretty fucking uh, awful. And yeah. I was actually kind of impressed with that, but that that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. it. Same here. You, you, you knew she was going to make an appearance at some point again. You knew it was going to be a setup so for something. Much. So like I, 
I thought for sure that she was going to be like the big bad of the movie and everything because that's just what these movies are. But then the way they True. utilize her, it's just like okay, this is yeah, she's the she's the big bad of the sequel yeah. is what that's setting up. Yeah, yeah, you know, with the with the newly disenfranchised member of the Immortals, right. and it's just Ugh. man, I, yeah, yeah, just fucking. And you know what part I hated too? Uh, like the uh, the two Immortals that are that are uh, boyfriends or husbands or uh, you know he he actually put it pretty eloquently in the scene which I kind of appreciated uh, his description of his relationship with him. I'll get second point. That was, that was a very well written scene apparently. Yeah. But then they ruined it when they go and they kiss and they had the, uh, the uh, SWAT guys go, Ugh. I'm like, Oh, yeah. okay guys. Okay. okay. That's what we're doing now. You know, yeah. all these SWAT guys are in sixth grade and they just saw two guys <laughs> kiss for the first time. They, like, God. Stop yeah, it. I agree. Just stop. I agree. And I, that that's the one like character dynamic that was actually fleshed out pretty well. Like I I was I was uh interested in them as characters, but not that much. Like just the rest not that of much. Yeah. At that point, you're you're striving to find yes. something interesting, Absolutely. and they just happen to be the most compelling part. Yeah. Because I, I, you know what, in a better written story, mm-hmm. their relationship would be the most compelling thing. Yep. It's you know especially given the. I, for whatever reason, I really appreciated the writing, him describing his relationship with him to the SWAT guys. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was actually very well done, uh, describing his feelings. Yeah. You know, that those two are more compelling yeah. than anybody else in that, in that movie. Mm-hmm. But. Yep. And just even like, even the stakes, like something happens, uh, that's expected, but something happens and a character is now in a situation where, it's not like overpowered. Like she's like, she's not an overpowered character That's vague enough as I can be without spoiling it. But, True. Yeah. but yeah, that, that even, even in that situation when the action like pops off and everything, I wasn't like, I didn't feel the stakes of it cause I didn't care about the character and I didn't care no. about what was going on. Like I was, well, first really of all, s- that, that vulnerability is such a lazy, right? Oh, God, like, yes. Oh, Okay it just decides to go yeah. and then it's your time. Like that's okay. Yeah. There's no explanation as to why you're immortal and your explanation as to how come, well, everything dies. Okay. okay. Good. Of years, good explanation. Just, yeah. It's, uh, yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, th- Movie of the year. I said, Oh God. <laughs> um, and, uh, Tuate Eofor, Eofor, I might always butcher his name. Uh, I, I love him, uh, but his character didn't make any sense. No, no, you're trying no. to tell me that you're following these immortals, seeing the, the amazing things that they've done throughout modern history, mm-hmm. and you think nothing bad is going to happen to them when you help the evil pharmaceutical genius catch them? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. Fucking stop. And even it was that- just a way. Now he's like their, their finder of... Uh, <laughs> problems yeah they're uh they're alfred basically um yeah it's it's so it's so lazy just all of it's just lazy and cliched and like his his turn and his backstory like the road leading him to that point is like just so just underdeveloped and uninteresting throughout it's like it's just like i said it's just running through the paces and it's like okay Mm -hmm. if you're just going to just do this lazy franchise establishing movie 
I don't know if it's obviously it's not intentional. No one sets out to make a bad movie, but if you're just going to be this lax and just lazy because you're setting up something that you will that should be more compelling because you have like established characters and stuff. Like I'm not like you said, I'm not going to go see the movie. I'm not going to watch the old guard two, old guardier. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't. Uh, yeah. Um, except for when it hits Netflix, I'll force you to watch it so we can review it. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> that, oh, would, God. That, would, that would be evil of you. Yeah, I, I, could, I could honestly see a scenario where I forgot how bad this movie was and then think, oh, well, you know, maybe it'll be fun to have Fekas on to talk about the sequel. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll forget about how bad this was. Yeah. And it's funny, I'd be, I'd be curious to read the the graphic novel to see if it's as poorly uh developed yeah but i don't want to i you know i i i have other comic books i want to read so i'm not going to waste my time now to go read the old guard and i i would be slightly i would be interested as well just slightly because i i wonder is it a situation where like you said where the graphic novel is as lazy and just kind of just boring as as the as the movie is or is it a situation where the writer of the movie, who is the writer of the graphic novel series, did he just not know how to write a movie? Like, did he not, like, is it, I didn't see his credits, but, like, I don't know if he's a, an established screenwriter. Like, would it have been better if someone else adapted it for him? And, like, someone who knows how to structure a movie and, and like, write Yeah, like, there's, there's plenty of examples out there of good graphic novels that got turned into yeah. horrible mediocre movies oh yeah so it, it very well could be a decent graphic novel but it's just nothing about the movies going to entice me to go read it or even give money to it at this point so yep. I, you know yeah so i look forward to in two years or three years or whenever that i forget that this movie existed and uh, <laughs> yeah it's just i the more realistic scenario is that I'll see the sequel on Netflix or something and think, Oh, I should go back and watch the first one and then watch the second one, not knowing that I've already watched and reviewed the yeah. first one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will say, no, I like do, I said, painfully forgettable. Yeah. I, I do like this run of her career where Charlize Theron is this action badass. I just wish that there was more I, to her. I would like it better if, she, if the movies were better. Yeah. So, um, I, I didn't see that one she did. Atom- no, Atomic well, Yeah, she was Atomic Blonde, right? Was she Atomic Blonde? she Atomic Blonde? I think so, yeah. I was thinking more Fury Road and uh, 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 the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, uh, see, I was I was thinking, because uh, she did... There, there was two other ones. Atomic Blonde... Hold on. Uh, I'm going to find it. Because there was another one that she did, too, that looked like a... I didn't see it. Yeah, so at least Stan did... Uh, Atomic Blonde, mm-hmm. and she did another one that was looked very generic. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Well, she's in she's in Adam's family. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Gringo, yeah. was it? No, um, the Huntsman. <laughs> I felt like it was like Aeon or something like that. Oh, huh. Maybe I yeah, maybe I'm wrong about it. Aeon Flux from 2005. Was that her? Yeah. Huh. Okay, yeah. Aeon Flux. Yeah, there it is. Aeon Flux. It, it okay. just looks like a very generic, uh, badass female, you know, action movie. Yeah. Generic type of deal. So, I don't know. Uh, Fury Road was amazing, but, you know, you also had a legendary writer and director 
attached to right. that one. Um, that's true. And I can't speak to the Fast and Furious movies because I haven't seen a single one of them. That's but. true. Yeah, she doesn't do much in terms of action in them. She's more of just like a, a villain role in right. the last like, couple uh, or the last one. I don't remember. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just I like that she's in action movies. Um, I haven't seen Atomic Blonde. I've heard really good things about it, though. So. Yeah, it, I was interested to see it. I just never did see it. Um, I don't know. Her her Snow White and the Huntsman was garbage. Uh, so. I've heard that too. Oh, yeah. I, I guess she's, she's. I like Charlie Theron. I've seen her in things that I enjoyed her in, but you know, I. I don't know. This was not one of them. Nope. Same here. Same here. Yep. Um, so I think that's it for our review of the old card. Yeah, I I really think that does it. About it, yeah. Um, do you have time to do a quick potpourri or? Um. Well, I don't know that I would even have anything to uh, discuss with potpourri. To be perfectly honest. How about this? Do you want to say one or two movies that you've watched while in quarantine from having COVID? Um, sure. Sure. I'll, yeah. Okay. So while you're pulling that up, I'm just going to say we're going to go into potpourri, which is a section of the podcast where we uh, talk about uh, things we've watched, things we're looking forward to, whatever we want, as long as it smells good, to kind of wind down the episode. Um, it's potpourri. So, Fekas, uh, one or two movies that you've seen lately or rewatched? So I'll go with two movies that uh, I had not seen uh, and then saw. So one of them, I'll start off with... Uh, I, so I got super disinterested in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, mm-hmm. right? And I, I love the first one. I think it's an absolute classic. And I still find the second and third one to be entertaining. And I stopped off after I saw uh, was On Stranger Shores or whatever. I think that was the, the fourth Tides, one. I think? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't see the newest one where they brought back Will and Elizabeth uh, on Dead Man Tell, Tell No Tales. So... But uh, before me and Cassie went on our trip to the Dominican, I wanted to watch, you know, I have this theme where I watch movie related to trips I'm about to take. So I thought, what better thing to watch than, you know, Caribbean pirate movies before I go to the Caribbean. Yeah. And so I, I watched uh, the first four, having seen all of them. Then I uh, watched the, the last one. And I'm going to, it was about the same, though. You know, it was just. I feel like it, it was a rehash of everything. You know, the, the whole turn that Will Turner is back and Elizabeth is back is kind of a letdown because they both have like a scene and they're just yeah. inconsequential in the movie. I mean, some of the set pieces were kind of neat, but it was just, it was like, okay, it, Jack Sparrow is doing his Jack Sparrow stuff and it's just, it's the same stuff from, you know, the first four. You know, not nearly as compelling as the, as the first three, which I still find to be compelling movies, mm-hmm. but. All in all, it's just kind of like a, a forgettable pirate movie, I guess. So, okay. yeah, I, it completed my task of getting myself ready to uh, bask in the Caribbean. But yeah, I was, I, I'm happy I didn't pay money to go see it in the theaters. Yeah, I I did pay to see it in theaters because uh, I went down to Evansville to visit Mike, and we went and saw it, and we reviewed it on the podcast. And that was one of those things where I I never saw the fourth one um i and i it had been many many years since i saw the first three but um but seeing it i like the only thing that really stood out to me or struck me about it was when that original pirates of the caribbean score comes on and like that kind of like the theme music of pirates of the caribbean oh like that 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 theme music is amazing it is it is 
in one of my favorite like pieces of movie music, I think. Um, so like that's really about it. <laughs> like I don't really remember yeah. much of it. Um, the visual effects of was it Javier Bardem? Yeah, yeah, the, the visual effects. Are, I mean, it's yeah. it's top notch. It's a Disney. Uh, uh, what's Michael Bruckheimer? No, or, my, or uh, 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 not Michael Bruckheimer. Uh, Jerry. Jerry Bruckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry, yeah, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. So the special effects would be fantastic. But yeah, yeah it's you know, I'll watch the first three still, but you know, I'll, I'll probably never see number four and five again. Yeah, I don't blame Whatever. you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, and then one other movie. So I'll, I'll probably ruffle some feathers with this one, and I right. I think I talked to you about this, but. So I'd never seen the Green Mile, and you you lent me your copy of the Green Mile, and you know so people talk about this movie with reverence as it being such a you know an amazing emotional film, and I I thought it was pure sappy Oscar bait uh, wow. to me. Like I just it was okay, I guess, but I, everything just seemed like a trope to pull at the emotional uh, heartstrings of the viewer. And it, to me, it just kind of, I got lost on it. Like the, I forget the name of the, the person guard that's a complete asshole. He's just an asshole for no, no apparent reason. And I don't know. I, I was not impressed with it. Like I, I felt like the mouse was, uh, was a trope too. It's, you know, the emotional attachment to the mouse and, you know, we we all know that you know he's going to die at the end. They try to make it some big emotional ploy. It's like I'm tired, boss. My like, okay. I don't know. I I know people talk talk about this movie like it's like such an amazing deep movie, but I just thought it was a, a cliched uh, Oscar attempt movie. Like I I've never read the short story it's based on. Uh, this, so this is the only experience I have. So maybe there's more in depth to it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I. I thought it was very meh to me, and I know I know that that's going to rub people the wrong way. Um, it may, but <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> like, I can't give you any friction on it because honestly, I have not seen that movie in many, many, many years. Um, despite being a huge Stephen King fan, obviously, and loving Frank Darabont's other adaptations of Stephen King's work, so he did. Shawshank did he? And, did he do Shawshank? Yeah, in the mist. Uh, see, and now I love Shawshank. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of. It felt like Shawshank to me, I guess. I, and maybe I it's because of the prison that. setting. but yeah. The prison setting, the animal attachment thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. The kind of, yeah, the asshole guard. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, no, you know, the, the performances are fine. You know, Michael Clark Duncan does a great job, and Tom Hanks never does a bad job. Right. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, there was nothing that really grabbed me about this movie. And, I like, I'll... I just thought it was very forgettable. You know, I, I hate emotionally um, manipulative movies, and I felt like this one was very emotionally manipulative. So. I, I can definitely understand that. Um, <laughs> as soon as you said emotionally manipulative, I was like, Green Book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, um, yeah, that's fair. I, I'll need to revisit it. It's interesting because you mentioned the short story. It was actually not too well, actually, you, but. Um, it was oh. a, uh, it was a serial novel. Um, so oh, sorry. King, Please mansplain it further. Yes. So King released a in, in segments and everything. But yeah. Anyway, um, there's like six or seven like 
like editions of it that were released like monthly or something like that. Um, so yeah, eventually we'll cover it on Tower Junkies at some point. I don't know. Oh, fair enough. But yeah, um, should I round us out with a couple movies I've seen real quick? Yeah, go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay, cool. So I've been kind of on a tear watching a lot of stuff. So um, the Barnes & Noble had their 50% off Criterion Edition sale. So I bought a bunch of stuff, um, like probably a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have bought. But um, like I, I got really into a kick of watching Alfred Hitchcock, which I talked um, in the previous episode about. But um, aside from that, I'm not even going to bring up Criterion because none of these are popping out or um, something Criterion-y. But uh, let's see. I will go ahead and say that I rewatched Bowfinger for the first time in probably 10 or 12 years. Wow. I, I've never seen Bowfinger. Oh, really? I, I think yeah. that you would really dig it. Um, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, uh, Heather Graham, uh, Jamie Kennedy. Um, it's really, it's a really fun subversion of the Hollywood, like, like Hollywood itis, I guess. Um, because, and it's written by Steve Martin. So do you know what Bowfinger is? Yes, yeah, I I know what it is. I just it. I want to say that came out when I was probably in late high school. Um, I I just it never struck me as something I really wanted to see. I guess it's interesting because rewatching it now, it it came out in 1999, and this was so in 1996. Scream came out, and Scream just changed my life because it made me want to watch as many movies as I can and learn more about movies and everything. And then, like, three years later, Bowfinger came out. It had Jamie Kennedy in it, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to see it because Randy's in it. Um, <laughs> and then watching that, I was like, oh, this is this is making fun of Hollywood and making fun of filmmaking and stuff. And, like, I legitimately learned, like, things about filmmaking from that movie. Yeah. And it was just – I so it holds that kind of nostalgia in my in my heart but like rewatching it now i was like this is a this is a really solid comedy like it's i it's not like the greatest comedy of all time or anything but there's a lot of really fun stuff that steve martin does and that eddie murphy does as well he plays kind of a dual role thing which yeah 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 um <laughs> it's just it's it's so much fun it's it's a lot of fun i, I recommend it yeah yeah well it, i'm not gonna go out of my way i think but you know if it's it's in my way at some point. Maybe I'll watch it. That's fair. That's fair. And then to round us out for good, um, I don't know. Um, I, what should I talk about? Okay. So kind of in the same vein as Bowfinger, I watched 1995's Clueless. Um, I rewatched it um, because I love that movie. Did you ever see Clueless? <laughs> yeah, I've seen Clueless. Yeah, I've seen Clueless. You're giving me kind of a look there. Um, well, my, my look was, I don't know how that's in the same vein as both of you. Oh, just 90s comedy. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't hate Clueless. I, okay. I watched it because my sister watched it all the time, and so. Oh yeah, totally. I, I don't, me too. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't. I don't hate. Yeah, <laughs> I don't hate it. it, it there was some entertaining uh, aspects to it. So it's not the worst. Yeah, I don't know something about it. I just I love it. I I I love it. It's it's funny because when I saw it as a kid, like I didn't get anything about it. Like I didn't understand a single thing because, like, okay, this is about like 90s teenagers in like like rich teenagers and stuff and it's skewering that whole thing it's parodying that and i'm just like oh cool you know 
Um, funny jokes or whatever, like funny noises or funny words. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm walking myself into a corner. But um, watching it like now nowadays, it, it holds up pretty well for me. I just – I don't know. I find it really, yeah, well, really funny. It doesn't surprise me that it holds up well with you. So. <laughs> yep. Um, I did appreciate your Snapchat when you're talking about uh, – um. Oh, what's his what's his name? Uh, Donald, Donald Faison. Faison. Yeah. Uh, Donald Faison is homophobic rant. I yeah. thought that was pretty funny. He says he's a he's a uh, your boy Christian's a cake boy. Um, he's a friend of Dorothy, and like he says all of these. Bible size and ticket yeah. buying friend of Dorothy or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it, I Snapchatted and said like, oh, all right, Dan- Donald Faison's canceled. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, I just I don't know. I really I really enjoy that movie. So Clueless. Yep. That, yeah, that it's not a bad movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen worse. I watched the old guard. Right. Oh god. Oh jeez. Oh, all right. So should we kind of wind down and close out the episode? I know you've got to go. Yeah. To work. Yeah. Got to go to work. Yeah. By the way, officially on the podcast, congratulations on your promotion. Um. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yep. And uh, are you looking forward to? Well, I guess you wouldn't really work it if you're working nights, but like the 500, um, like how's that going to look from so, this perspective? I, it's probably going to be the same thing that they did for the brickyard, where we're pretty much just going to have to. They'll station us at entrances to the track and uh, make sure people that aren't supposed to be coming in don't come in. So, okay. like, we'll have to do something. It just will not be as extensive as it normally is. So. Yeah, that's. Honestly, I completely forgot that the brickyard happened and was a thing. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Um, I did. I did think it was kind of funny and like I don't know, not to pass judgment on anyone, but like I saw like I saw like an article that had a picture of just people standing outside of the track by the fence and just looking in during the race. Oh, it, it's going to happen again. Oh yeah. The, there's going to be all kinds of people up and down uh, 16th Street, I guarantee it. Yeah, so. I'm just like, okay, the, whatever, fine. I, I get it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to movie theaters and staring at the, into the wind, right. windows. You're not? Because I sat in AMC's parking lot for about 20 minutes the other day just staring at the entrance, you know, <laughs> with a tear in my eye. I mean, it's your time is your time. <laughs> in fact, I go to the parking lot regularly to stream movies on Netflix. Nice. Just kind of have it propped up and everything, and just watch it. Right. Nice. Oh God. No, I, you know, I, I did. I won lunch on this uh, on the five hundred thing. Uh, I called it back in May. I told everyone that they're not going to have fans with this thing. I was like, Oh no, uh, Pinsky said that he's not going to run this without fans. Uh, if he has to, he'll postpone it to October. And I'm like, and I told him, I was like, No, he's not. They're going to run this thing without fans. I guarantee it. And sure enough, this week I won lunch. That so. is. God, that's nuts. And just for context, how many people go to the race? Like, it's like... It's about 350,000 people. Jesus. Like, and that's just... That is so insane to me. Um, Because it's run for like 109 years or 106 years. This will be the 106th? Somewhere around there. They just had the 100th running of it a few years ago, so... And it's just... it's, It's weird to me. Just an empty... Yeah, it's weird yeah. for everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you can do like baseball and put cardboard people in the <laughs> Or maybe they're going to do like Korea and they're going to put a bunch of sex dolls in the stands. You hear oh, about that? Did they do that? They did That's do that. Amazing. So, uh, South Korea, when they opened up their baseball games, they put a bunch of blow up dolls in the stands and uh, caught a bunch of shit for it. 
which oh, I thought was hilarious. That, but. that is pretty funny. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Thank you so much, Beckus, for for pulling through and 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 coming on the show. Um, it was a struggle, you know. It was uh, hit and miss there for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm glad that you're okay, and uh, I hope everyone else is, you know, staying safe and healthy and everything. And uh, yeah, next time on the podcast, I think Mike and I are going to do something. I, we'll see, but. Um, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Later. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And they're doing that, and they're showing um, a Charlie Chaplin movie, uh, Modern Times. Like Modern Times, weekend. yeah. And like, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, oh, God, I, I would love to go see Modern Times or whatever. And then I was like thinking, I d- even with the measures in place, I don't want to do that. because. And I was thinking about it because, like, okay, I, I'm sure that it would be fine to go if, like, everyone's staying six feet apart and everyone's wearing masks and everything and the distancing between the chairs is fine. I'm sure it would be fine. But, like, there's a little part of me that's, like, paranoid because, like, I don't know how I would react to getting the virus. I don't know what kind of, like, how uh, how much it would knock me down in terms of the symptoms and everything. And then I don't know what that would do with my job, like, putting me out of work for a couple of weeks. I don't know how my job would handle that. So I'm just like, I just, like, I want to do it, but I just can't. And it's just frustrating that, like, right, I yeah. have that fear. It's just, it's annoying. Yeah. The Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny. And follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White, that's me, at R.A. Feckus and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at teepublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com 
and on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!